Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's up, everybody? Matt Kajewski here. Back again with the Odd Shopper channel. And today, we're talking college football bets. Week 11, the main slate, we're going to run through 12 games, your marquee matchups, and some other ones that have some very good value. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit the notification bell so you know when this and all other content goes live. We're also brought to you today by DraftKings Sportsbook. We'll be referencing their lines throughout, and they have a special offer for you guys. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Make sure to check them out. And without further ado, let's get into this. And let's dive into today's betting rundown. It's week 11, the main slate. We're going to get to 12 games today if I did my math correctly and counted these, but we'll kick things off with some of the better teams on the slate and then talk some pretty juicy matchups here. It's a fun slate with maybe the best game being UCF Tulane, the battle for the AAC, and we'll get to that one a little later. We're going to kick things off with Missouri taking on Tennessee. Tennessee looking for a rebound spot after their loss to Georgia. They're 20-point favorites of 57 total. Very difficult game to handicap, in my opinion, because you've got Tennessee coming off the loss. This team has been awesome. They've been explosive on offense, but Georgia limited them. So Missouri's been good on defense themselves. You look at this team, they're 38th in run defense. They're 19th in pass rush. They're 20th in coverage. But have they reached that tipping point, the tipping point that Georgia reached, where they can actually limit the Tennessee offense? And I kind of want to buy Tennessee low in some of these spots. I mean, they were crushed by Georgia wasn't as close as the score indicated, but Tennessee's offense has just hung some ridiculous points against really everyone else. 44 against Kentucky, 40 against LSU, 38 against Florida, 34 against Pitt, and then some other really easy teams in their non-com in Missouri. They played solid defense themselves. I mean, they limited Georgia to 26. A lot of that just came down to like limiting them to field goals rather than touchdowns. So it's to the point where, how much do we value Tennessee? Does Tennessee try to run up the scores on teams now because they kind of control their own destiny for the college football playoff? If their only loss is to Georgia, Tennessee can certainly still get in. They might need a little bit of you know scorched earth to kind of get there and show the committee this team is deserving. So is that something they decide to do? I don't have the answers to these questions, so it's a stay away from me. My metrics on the back end, they say Missouri's the play, but... What does Tennessee do here? There's a lot of motivation factors that are very difficult to handicap in this game. So it is a stay away for me. Second game, we've got LSU taking on Arkansas. This one comes down entirely to the number for me. There's a couple injuries to talk about in the game. And more than anything else, it comes down to KJ Jefferson, who is playing through an injury right now. 
didn't limit him too much last week. I mean, maybe it did, but his stats at the end of the day were still pretty good. That could have been due to negative game script as well. You probably remember they dropped a game to Liberty. So obviously they didn't play real well if that occurred, but they have some pretty egregious losses in the year. They lost to AM by two points where they had a 71% post game win expectancy. The Liberty post game win expectancy was only 41%. So they lost that game. They should have lost that game. They lost to Mississippi State and Alabama. Those scores were maybe a little more lopsided than they should have been. But everything with Arkansas this year comes down to injuries, and they're still injured. They're missing some players in their secondary still. Some have come back. Some have come and gone again. And then LSU right now riding really high. They just played Alabama, got that win. They're now three-and-a-half-point road favorites. So if you were looking at emotional letdown spots, this would be one of them. But LSU has played really everyone super close outside of Tennessee. You remember their Florida state loss by one point. They had a positive 57% post game win expectancy there. That's awesome. Then there are other teams. They beat Mississippi state convincingly Auburn, a game they probably should have lost, but they ended up getting it up, getting it done They beat Florida. They beat Ole Miss. And then they beat Bama. really good level of competition for LSU. And stylistically Arkansas is a run based team. They run with Jefferson. They run with Raheem Sanders. They haven't had, a consistent passing attack. They have been explosive at times, but they haven't been consistent. LSU ranks eighth in run defense, 30th in pass rush. Their strongest asset is that unit up front, which just counteracts the strength of Arkansas's team. Meanwhile, LSU, they've gotten much, much better on their offensive line, much better passing the ball with Daniels and Boutte is finally doing something. Neighbors is doing something. Arkansas is 117th in coverage. I bet this at LSU minus two and a half. Loved it at that number was fine with it through three, three and a half, I think is where I'm going to lay off. If you can find a three out there, I would be willing to take LSU minus three on the spread. Little hesitant with the three and a half. I think instead I would just bet LSU on the money line in that instance. Half point means a lot there. Pittsburgh takes on Virginia. This is a game I like a lot. We have a couple teams at differing points this season. They've both been up and down. Virginia more down than up. They lost to Illinois. They got crushed. They lost to Syracuse. They lost to Duke, Louisville, Miami by two points, North Carolina. The only game which was really kind of out of the ordinary expectation-wise was Miami. They had an 81% postgame win expectancy and lost by two. Their only wins are against Georgia Tech, Old Dominion, and Richmond, and they're injured. Brennan Armstrong playing through an ankle injury. They were down their top three receivers last week, and all of them were either out of practice or limited in practice this week. I, I do believe they get like – at least one of these guys back, I doubt they get all three, which is a concern against Pitt, who plays excellent defense, the 22nd in coverage, 15th in run defense, 32nd in pass rush. And the biggest weakness for Virginia is their offensive line. They rank 122nd in pass blocking. This is a pass-based team. Massive mismatches. And we haven't even gotten to the Pitt side. I think Israel Abanaconda returns from injury, and even if he doesn't, Rodney Hammond was the guy they expected to start the year for this team, so... There is a downgrade at running back, but I don't think it's substantial. I don't think we should be like fading Pitt because of the running back injury. And Pitt, they have ways they can exploit this Virginia defense. Virginia's much better in coverage where they rank 32nd. They're 87th in run D. Well, what does Pitt want to do? They want to run it down your throat. Stylistically, this suits Pitt. I grabbed it at minus four. Very fortunate to get some closing line value. We haven't gone through any key numbers here. Five and a half, not quite as enticing, but... Definitely not a stay away for me. I would I would be willing to bet this again. Haven't crossed any key numbers moving from four to five and a half. Bama takes on Ole Miss. We talked about Bama a little bit earlier with LSU. 
What does this team do now with two losses? They're playing Ole Miss. They're 11 and a half point road favorites. Total is 65. Well, I don't know. So a lot of people have gone back and I don't want to take credit for this. It wasn't my stat. Unfortunately, I can't remember who it was. Went back and looked at the games where Bama's basically a big favorite in marquee games. And they're not covering any of them except Mississippi State. Their record is like 2-12 and 12 over the last two years. Against the spread, that is. Their record straight up is phenomenal. But they're playing these other SEC teams like Florida last year. They played them to two points. That's just one example. They're playing these competitive games, and they're not playing them to the spread, which I think says a lot about Alabama at this point and their talent. I mean, this team replaces their coordinators almost perennially, and they replaced two really good coordinators last year. I think their current occupants are going to get fired and a lot of it comes down to they don't know how to allocate their talent they have two premier players on offense you've got Jameer Gibbs who I think is at this point being used correctly at 24 touches last week or something 11 targets 15 carries 26 excuse me and they Bryce Young but they haven't been able to consistently get their best receivers on the field Jermaine Burton continues to play snaps he's absolutely atrocious in terms of yards per route run guys like Jojo Earl are better than him and we'll see if that changes, but it hasn't to this point. Meanwhile, Ole Miss knows their strength. They do it well. They have one of the highest run rates in all of college football. They play fast. They're third in pace. And that's going to test your Alabama defense. But on the other side, Alabama, their defense has been pretty good. They rank first in run defense in the country. So it's there's advantages on both sides. You have a dynamic rushing attack going up against a solid run defense. You have an Alabama offense, which is limited based on their receiver play and honestly coaching style. Well, Alabama on offense, they can run the ball a little bit with Gibbs, but Ole Miss has been solid on defense basically across the board. Now, level of competition is an issue here. You look at who Ole Miss has played. They played LSU. They lost by 25. Otherwise, who's the best team they faced this year? They played AM, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Tulsa, Georgia Tech, Central Arkansas, Troy. If you were just to rank every opponent in the SEC outside of LSU, have they faced any of the top five teams? I would argue no. So to me, another complete stay away. I, I want to back Saban. I power rate this as a value towards Alabama, but I don't think they're actively getting their best players on the field and in the best positions to win. We saw that multiple times this year now when, you know, Tennessee just attacked a single matchup over and over again. They didn't adjust last week, weren't able to adjust and got beat. So it's a, it's a complete pass for me. I don't want any part of this game. Next one, which is kind of similar, honestly, Louisville Clemson. You want to talk like marquee coaching staffs that aren't getting their players in positions to succeed. Clemson, maybe more so than any team in the country as far as marquee teams go. And it's similar to Bama. They replaced their coordinators. They don't do this every year, but they did this past year. Los Venables and Elliott, both are gone. They were promoted in-house. Spent about 30 seconds deciding who they were going to go to. Didn't really interview a lot of people. And it's been horrific. Luckily, they play a weak schedule, so they've already kind of locked up the ACC, assuming they can beat North Carolina, whoever represents the other side, but they're rotating quarterbacks now and they're doing it at the whims of whoever is deciding these things. I don't know if it's Dab or their play caller, but even last week, Uagalale has a positive drive. Normally, you know, create some momentum, some confidence, keep the guy in the game, see if he can keep it rolling. Nah, we're just going to pull him out, put Klubnik in. He creates a turnover and then boom, Clemson. They have nothing to stand on right now. They're not making the right decisions. They're not getting Will Shipley the ball enough, who's their only dynamic playmaker on offense. Maybe Antonio Williams, but he doesn't have a quarterback that can throw it to him. Can Louisville exploit that? Louisville does have a couple pretty solid matchup advantages. 
they might have the advantage in the trench on offense. Their offensive line's actually been pretty good. They're 20th in pass blocking, 52nd in run blocking. Clemson's defensive line has been horrific, especially when they've been forced to step up in games. And they've only played a couple good teams. They got killed by Notre Dame, who has an awesome offensive line. Then they've played Syracuse, Florida State, Boston College, NC State, Wake Forest, Louisiana Tech, Furman, and Georgia Tech. A couple of those teams are decent. Florida State's above average. I think Wake might be above average. But, I mean, none of these teams are top 25 teams consistently outside of Florida State. So who have they done this against? They're also healthier now. Didn't matter against Notre Dame. Brian Brzee plays. Xavier Thomas. Didn't matter. So with Malik Cunningham, could this be a mismatch? Maybe. On the other side, can Clemson score on Louisville's defense? Louisville is a little suspect in coverage. They're 88th there. But they've been able to mask this with an awesome pass rush, a top 10 pass rush. Diaby's been a sick pass rusher, and it's not just him. They go four or five deep on their on their line. And Clemson is in outside the top 50 in pass blocking and run blocking. They basically have one good offensive line in their left tackle. The rest of this unit is atrocious. So it's not one matchup here. There are multiple matchups. I think Clemson has the advantage in some. Louisville has the advantage in others. So to me, it's a complete stay away. I Honestly, I wanted to buy low on Clemson early in the week, returning to Death Valley. But the more I look at the matchups and the advantages and the way Clemson is putting their players on the field, it's probably just a stay away because I don't want to back Louisville either hitting the road. A game I do like, and this game is so awesome. If you guys get a chance to watch any game this week, well, maybe it should be Texas TCU. We'll talk about that. But they're not at the same time, so you can watch both. It's UCF taking on Tulane. This game is awesome. The unofficial battle for the AAC winner of this probably goes to the title game. We've got a one-and-a-half-point spread in favor of Tulane, 54 total. Tulane is at home, USC. They have to exit the bounce house, go to Louisiana, and play Tulane. A couple injuries. First and foremost, the quarterback situation for UCF. It's kind of a, a moot point at this junction, but John Rise Plumley missed their last game. He warmed up. He allegedly returned to practice really late, and they just felt more comfortable going into that game with Mikey Keene. Mikey Keene played well. So the question here is, do we get the 2021 Mikey Keene, who was a terrible game manager, or do we get the Mikey Keene we saw last week, who actually was a dynamic passer? I think they might use two quarterbacks. Their coaching staff hinted at that, but... Ultimately, I think Keen is worse for the offense than Plumlee. Plumlee is an elite dual threat. This guy has wheels. He's electric on the ground, and he's actually been efficient as a passer. You look at his completion percentage, yards per attempt. Those are all fine. He's actually moving the ball well. It's just he has these turnovers mixed in there. His interceptions have killed UCF in some spots, and we can't have that, especially against a two-lane team, which is 20th in run defense, 7th in coverage. The one place they lack is pass rush. But if they can get home against UCF's offensive line to any degree, and I'm not even sure they need to because John Reese Palmy will make some mistakes, that could be a matchup advantage. Meanwhile, on the other side, Tulane has massive advantages on offense, especially in the trench. They're 24th in pass blocking. UCF can't generate any pressure either. They're 87th. They're actually worse than Tulane. They're 68th in coverage. They're 57th in run defense. They're not good anywhere. They're not terrible against the run or the pass, but they're definitely not good. And Michael Pratt and this receiving court that goes five deep can take advantage of them through the air. Michael Pratt and Tajay Spears can take advantage of them on the ground. Comes down to UCF and can they score? I think they'll score to some degree, but this is a team that's also really struggled to play from behind. You look at their losses to Louisville. They were down immediately in the game. Couldn't claw, claw their way back. 14 to 20 loss. Same thing happened against East Carolina. 13 to 34. That's a team that has struggled to play from behind. 
Meanwhile, Tulane has handled business every step of the way. Their only loss came to Southern Miss by three points. That was a game where they outgained Southern Miss 451 to 253, averaged more than a whole yard per play over what Southern Miss averaged. The only thing is they had the game's only turnover, and that decided it three-point game, razor-thin margins against an SMU team, which is pretty sound, so you can't have them. And it happened, and they dropped the game, a game they should have won. All that to say, I'm on Tulane, minus one and a half. Give me the home team. can also bet them on the money line. This is a sick game. Make sure you catch it, but it'll be Tulane for me, comfortable with this number, and up through three. Georgia, Mississippi State. This is a really tough game to evaluate. Georgia coming off the win that basically sealed the East in the SEC. Takes on Mississippi State, who's been really up and down this year. Mississippi State is a 16-point home dog. Total is 54 points. First of all, you got to check the motivation for Georgia. This is a tough crossover game, but it's not necessarily one they need to win. I, I They've kind of locked up the SEC East regardless. Obviously, they want to win and pad their stats, just make it harder for the committee to leave them out, especially if you know they were to drop an SEC championship game. You don't want to have another loss when, when you're heading into that spot. So I think Georgia resoundingly wins this game. They have essentially every single advantage across the board, pass blocking, run blocking, run defense, pass rush, coverage. They have it. It's not even close. The question is, can they cover the 16? And that's where I hesitate a little bit. These teams are a little more methodical than you might think, especially Mississippi State. I think people, they look at the Mike Leach air raid. They think it's fast, downfield, attacking. It's actually not. They're slower than you'd think. And they do pass a ton, but it's underneath. It's short of the sticks. And that's actually led to some lower scoring games for them, which I'm not I'm not worried about Georgia scoring themselves. I'm not worried about Georgia limiting Mississippi State. I think they will. What I am worried about is the overall pace and Georgia covering the 16 in a methodical game, especially against a gimmicky offense, one that they typically aren't preparing for, coming off a massive win. I just think it's too many points. Again, I'm not going to point here and I'm not going to come out here and tell you there's any single matchup advantage that Mississippi State has, but they can spread you out. They can run this dink and dunk offense, move the ball in really long, methodical drives, similar similar to like an arm force academy, but they're not doing it with a triple option. They're doing it through short passes. So give me Mississippi State. Don't feel great about it, but I think that is the better value than the total right now. That sits at 54. I'd rather take the points with Mississippi State. I grabbed them at plus 17. Plus 16 is a little less attractive, but I still think it's fine here. All right. Let's take some time out of the program to talk about our presenting sponsor, DraftKings Sportsbook. The whole goal of this channel and these videos specifically is to find the best matchup edges, line edges, anytime we can find closing line value. We're just trying to give you guys the best possible way to allocate your bankroll. And one way to grow your bankroll is to take advantage of these sportsbook offerings. And DraftKings has one for you right now. You're going to bet $5 on any pregame money line. And if that bet wins, you turn the five into 200. The bet needs to win. So now I think the most important thing to do is take a big favorite on the money line, something like an Ohio State, who's a 40-point favorite this week. That way you're giving yourself a very good chance that the bet wins, and all the bet has to do is win. If it does, that $5 becomes 200. Phenomenal way to build the bankroll. So click the link in the description below. Take advantage of DraftKings and build that bankroll. The game in the Big 12, TCU takes on Texas Total 65, a really tough game to handicap, honestly, because you've got TCU undefeated and they're still seven point under, underdogs, seven and a half in some spots against Texas, a team who has three losses, but obviously is rated highly amongst the power ratings community. 
Injuries to watch. Quentin Johnston, he left in the first quarter of their last game. He didn't return, but he wasn't like in the locker room or anything. He wasn't even in the tent for very long. He was actively doing like high knees on the bike, trying to stay warm. That game wasn't really in question, so they didn't need to force him out there. But I think he plays here. Texas got a couple DBs over the last few games. Anthony Cook, Jalen, Gulbo, and Ryan Watts have missed time. We'll see who plays and who doesn't. I expect at least some of them to be out there. But let's talk stylistics. TCU has been awesome on offense. They're explosive. And I'm not sure Texas stops them, especially if Johnson plays. They do have Max Duggan allegedly a little banged up. That's something to watch, but I think he goes and plays well. So with TCU, 27th in pass blocking, 28th in run blocking, facing a Texas defense, which is really strong. They're 12th in run D. They're 56th in coverage. The only issue here is, you know, Texas banged up in that secondary. Can TCU just exploit this repeatedly? It's not just Johnson. They have Davis. They have Barber. They have Savion Williams. But on the other side, TCU's defense has been highly suspect. We're talking 10.1 yards per attempt, 5.3 yards per carry to Kansas State. That was just utter domination. Against some other teams, too, it's been really suspect. 10.3 yards per attempt to Kansas, 5.0 yards per rush attempt to Kansas. And then they, they have faced a lot of backup quarterbacks. I mean, once Dylan Gabriel went down, that Oklahoma team was entirely inept. Spencer Sanders, he played banged up. Adrian Martinez went down. That means they had to face Will Howard, and even he went down for a little bit. I think Texas can move the ball here with Bijan, with Quinn Ewers, who's been up and down this year, and with the receivers, Xavier Worthy, Jatavian Sanders, etc. Overall, the only concern I have for Texas is Quinn Ewers. He's only completing 51% of his passes for 6.5 yards per attempt since the Red River shootout, rivalry, whatever they call it these days. So do we get good Quinn Ewers, bad Quinn Ewers? That's a question I have. And ultimately, I think this comes down to a shootout, actually. I'm willing to back TCU at plus seven, plus seven and a half. I just think it's too many points, considering that both teams have some concerns, TCU mainly on defense. Texas, definitely their secondary, but also what does Quinn Ewers give you? So give me the points with TCU. Don't feel great about it. Certainly not as confident as previous weeks with them. Couple games left. We'll go through these a little faster. North Carolina, Wake Forest. This this comes down to what do we do with Sam Hartman? He has seven interceptions in the last two games. Otherwise, he's actually moved the ball really well. And this Wake Forest defense is playing much better. They're tenth in run defense, second in pass rush, thirty sixth in coverage. Now that's not going to matter a ton against Drake May. He's done it against better defenses than Wake Forest. He's going to keep on doing it. There's a case to be made that he is the number one quarterback in the country when you consider his entire skill set, which includes his legs. So we know UNC is going to score. Is Wake going to score? I personally think they are with frequency too. North Carolina, 112th in run defense, 105th in coverage. Just Sam Hartman, please cut the pick sixes. No more turnovers. And I think that'll be the case because we have a huge sample of Sam Hartman. It's not like he's a freshman, a new starter here. This very much appears to be a blip on the radar. And UNC's best unit, their pass rush, it ranks 33rd. They're just blasted by injuries now. Des Evans, out. Noah Taylor, out. Ray Vahasic, out. Give me Wake Forest. I took a minus three and a half. I think minus four is fine. But watch this game too. 77 total. It should be fun. AM takes on Auburn here. One and a half point spread in favor of Auburn. 48 and a half total. Sorry, Tyler. I know you do the production on these videos. I'm on Auburn and I don't feel great about it, but I also don't feel good at all about AM. 
They're down to their third string quarterback, Connor Wegman. He actually might be the best one here. Noah I Smith, he's been out. Chris Marshall suspended. They're missing a couple of other skill position players. That's not great for them. They're down three starting offensive linemen. They're also just battered. This team has three wins. They're probably not making a bowl this year, which is crazy to say because they had college football playoff aspirations. And they also don't have any advantages against Auburn. Auburn's one weakness on defense, I think, is against the run. AM hasn't even been exploiting that recently. A chain's gotten his, but it hasn't been enough. On the other side, this AM defense is brutal. 126th in run defense, 84th in pass rush, 71st in coverage. It doesn't matter to me that Robbie Ashford isn't a dynamic passer. He can run. Tank Bigsby can run. Jarquez Hunter can run. They can throw on occasion. And really, anyone can take advantage of AM right now. And then motivation. What is AM playing for? Well, nothing. Half their team is suspended or hurt. And then on the Auburn side, it I don't know what Cadillac Williams did on that sideline, but holy smokes, he had that team playing tough. And they're going to continue to do so. He wants his job. And then last thing here, Auburn's actually played really good competition and played them well. We're talking four-point loss to LSU, game they should have won. They had over a 90% post-game win expectancy. Got crushed by Georgia. That'll happen. Played Ole Miss, close. Mississippi State, close. That was a six-point game. I mean, these are good good games to play. Meanwhile, Texas A&M has lost to App State, Mississippi State, Alabama, South Carolina, Ole Miss, and Florida. Their best win is against Arkansas, which was by two points, and Arkansas had a 60, what is it, 63% postgame win expectancy? No, excuse me, 78% postgame win expectancy. So I think their best win's Miami, atrociously. Give me Auburn, minus one and a half here, completely fine with the number. Money line also in play. Two more to give you. San Jose State takes on San Diego State's two and a half point spread for the road team. San Jose State, 40 and a half total. I'm selling San Diego State at every point of the road this year. Still selling them. Converted their safety. Jalen made into quarterback. He's actually a former signal caller, so this isn't as crazy as it sounds. But how good is he? I personally don't think he's very good. He had an awesome game against Fresno State. And if you know them, they don't have a good defense. And then he came back against UNLV. Way more pedestrian performance, 215 yards on 32 attempts. That's 6.7 yards per attempt. He had two touchdowns, one interception, two turnover-worthy plays. Also took five sacks on 12 pressure. So, yeah, he's really mobile, but he doesn't have any feel for the pressure. When he can escape it, great. But when you can't feel it and you're taking sacks left and right, he must had a 50% sack rate. You get pressured 12 times and you take five sacks. It's horrific. It's a quarterback stat as well as an offensive line stat because that's not a lot of pressures. Meanwhile, on the other side, you have a veteran signal caller in Chevon Cordero, and they can exploit the other the opposing defense however they want. San, San Diego State's 100th in run D. 39th in coverage is pretty good, which actually counteracts what San Jose State typically tries to do, but Kyrie Robinson's been great for them on the ground. And then the best unit in the game is San Jose State's defense. They actually have a good defense. San Diego State can't score, so it's like, okay, Maybe San Diego State limits San Jose State to some degree, but how do they score themselves? Don't see it happening. This opened as San Jose as a dog. I wasn't able to capitalize, but, oh, excuse me. I, I was able to capitalize. Got them plus one and a half. Also took a minus one and a half. Two and a half is fine here. I'm just looking for anything inside three points with San Jose. Last one, a fun one. App State takes on Marshall. This should be a great game. It's a pick them, 47 and a half. The total there. Marshall's the home team, but this comes down to Marshall can't play offense. They don't have a quarterback. They bench Columbia 
And Cam Fancher has been up and down to say the best. Fancher threw for 89 yards on 25 attempts last week. That was 3.6 yards per attempt. He had no touchdowns, two interceptions. He is mobile, which is good. But App State plays solid run defense. They're 27th in the country there, 113th in coverage. Well, Marshall doesn't have a quarterback they can throw. That's a problem. On the other side, Marshall plays solid run defense, but we know how dynamic App State's rushing attack is. They're 16th in run blocking. They go 3-4 deep at the running back position. They're going to run the ball down to your throat, and they're going to have some success to some degree. Maybe it's not every single drive. Maybe they don't run up the score to 30 points, but they're going to score on the ground here. And Marshall, even if they can defend it semi-well, they're not going to be able to keep up the whole game. And then how is Marshall going to score themselves? Give me App State as a pick them on the road. And that'll do it for us with the Odd Shopper channel today. Thank you guys for watching. Make sure to leave a comment. Let me know what you think of these picks. If you agree, disagree, maybe there's a game we didn't talk about that you like a lot. I would love to hear about it. And if you'd like to reach out, I'm also available on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajeski. Feel free to hit me up there. And before we go, hit the thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel. It helps a ton. Thank you if you've already done that. Otherwise, this is the main slate. We'll be back again next week, full slate of games, talking through everything you need to know. Until then, good luck, guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs>